the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app, you'll see to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in. Sunny the rest of the afternoon, 95 the high. Clear skies tonight, low 74. Sunny and a high again tomorrow of 95. Supposed to eventually cool down into the 80s and upper 70s in the next week. Some rain expected later on in the weekend over the weekend. But for now, stay hydrated. Take it easy. Phillies lost 8-0 to San Diego last night. They play again this afternoon at 4-10 with Zach Wheeler on the mound for the Phils and the Sixers signing free agent guard Danny Green to a one-year deal. He played for the team in 2020-21 and 2021-2022. On our Voice of the Martyrs scoreboard, 27 folks now have stepped up and helped out with the Bible or more. Our partnership with the Voice of the Martyrs in its third year. Every year we try to have 120 listeners in the circle, regardless of how many Bibles you contribute to the cause. We're trying to send Bibles to our brothers and sisters in the Lord around the world. And really, as much as anything, we do want to send lots of Bibles, but it's about how many people, even more so than the Bibles, because a big part of this is just to raise awareness, again, of our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world, countries like Ukraine, China, and Cuba. One Bible, $6. If you want to step up and help, it's 800-998-3505, 800-998-3505, or right in our homepage at WFIL.com. Thank you to Randy in Philadelphia, Kevin in Mickleton, New Jersey, Linda in Philadelphia, and Linda in Mount Laurel, New Jersey, among the most recent to help out. One more time, 800-998-3505 or WFIL.com. Would you want to pick up the phone right now and make that quick call? It takes two minutes or go on our site and uh, be a part of it and join that ever-growing circle of WFIL listeners. Scott Wilder with Voice of the Martyrs joined us earlier in the, uh, well, not the month, actually, it's technically the end of August. And one of the things we talked about, and I want to also mention to you, is I'd love to hear from you what your Bible means to you. Could be a scripture verse or passage you go to a lot. It could be how you use scripture, whatever it might be. Email that to me, Timmy D, T-I-M-M-Y-D, at WFIL.com. One of the points is just to get to know you better and share it with the audience, encourage others, but also in the process, underline that. Your Bible matters. And when you call or go online and give a Bible, you're doing the very same thing. You're giving a copy of God's Word to someone else who gets to experience those same verses, those same chapters, those same teachings of, of God's Word, and are able to grow in their faith. And so, yes, one Bible for $6 makes a big difference. Don't think that it doesn't. Scott Wilder shared a story about that very thing as to why 
uh, the Bible, a single copy of God's word made a big difference. My dad, who has passed away 30, literally 30 years ago, uh, this last March, hmm. and uh, he and my mom, very long time, and I mean decades long members of the church. Well, when he died, they had a new pastor that had been called. So this was a guy that did not know my dad, knew sort of the the family history that we'd all been there for a long time. My mom had been there since the 1930s. Wow. Uh, and still there. My mom just uh, celebrated her 90th birthday a week wow. ago. But my, but my, when my dad died, the, the new pastor said, I'll tell you what, and I'll give it back to you, of course. He said, but between now and the time I do the service, could I borrow Jim's Bible? And so he went through my dad's Bible and saw those things. The dog ear pages, the notes on the side, the highlighted things, the underlined things, the starred things. Went through the whole Bible and at the funeral was able to speak uh, intelligently about my dad, but based on not really ever having spent any time with my dad, but only the Bible. Hmm. So the Bible informed him about where my dad was going or where my dad was at that moment Yeah. by the time the funeral uh, took place. But it also informed him about where my dad had been. Yeah. And so, so just I, you know, when you think about the value of the Bible, you know, for comfort, for instruction, for protection, for uh, encouragement, all those things. Um, you know, you've had hard times in your life. You're driven to your knees. You're driven to God's word. And there are people that are driven to their knees every single day because they live in persecuted times, in a persecuted place in the world. And all they're asking for us is that we pray for them and also that we send Bibles. And today we invite you to do both. Praying is the least we can do and the most we can do. But uh, sending Bibles is almost free. 800-998-3505. 800-998-3505. Or online at WFIL.com. Again, that's Scott Wilder with the Voice of the Martyrs when he joined us a week or two ago. We invite you to join the circle. As we continue to work with Voice of the Martyrs over the next couple of weeks. Also want to invite you to come to the Faith and Freedom Summit this coming Monday, September 11th at the Fuge in Warminster, Pennsylvania. I'll be on hand as part of a five-person panel to discuss the government's impact on our freedom of religion. From our sister station, it's morning host Chris DeGaulle, who has joined us a number of times on the air. Also, Dennis Prager, Mike Gallagher. And from Pathway to Victory, which airs on WFI weekday mornings at 930, Dr. Robert Jeffress, he joined us uh, in the last month or so as well to talk about the need for an event like this and the topics that are being discussed that evening. Well, well, we had in our church just a few months ago, Joe Kennedy, a football coach in Bremerton, Washington, who prayed at the end of every football game on the 50-yard line. He was threatened. He lost his job over it and took it to the Supreme Court. And gratefully, the Supreme Court acknowledged his right to pray. Hmm. And uh, again, these are, I think, temporary victories we ought to rejoice in. They show the consequences of elections, electing individuals who's going to appoint conservative justices. But what we've got to remember, Tim, is justices retire, justices die. And I still believe the bent is 
against religious liberty. And it's for this reason. The world system is under the control of Satan. The world system is a value system that is opposed to the things of God. And whenever the people of the church get out of the worship center and go into the culture and live out their lives according to their faith, there's going to be a humongous uh, collision that occurs between the world's value system controlled by Satan and God's value system. Dr. Robert Jeffress from Pathway to Victory. You can get the full podcast of that conversation at WFIL.com. Again, he's in town this coming Monday the 11th for the Faith and Freedom Summit at the Fuge in Warminster. Grab info and tickets right in our homepage at WFIL.com. A lot of contests going on as well at WFIL.com, including the new apologetic CD called Septuagint. This is one of the songs you can find on that parody CD. Twelve biblical parodies, including Chicago's Saturday in the Park, change over to Sad Today in the Dark. Check it out. Tim DeMarcio, WFIL.com is where you can get entered to win a copy of this on the contest page. AM560, WFIL.com on the app. It's Tim DeMarcio, Apologetics, Sad Today in the Dark. Parody of Saturday in the Park from Chicago, based on chapter uh, 49 of Isaiah, 1 Thessalonians 5, Matthew 9, and Luke 10. Those scripture references in the liner notes, as they do with all the songs, also represented on the CD, music by Steely Dan, Jay Ferguson, Elton John, Jethro Tull, The Cars, Humble Pie, Vanity Fair, Marshall Tucker Band, Barry Manilow, Paul McCartney and Wings, and The Doors. It's the 70th biblical parody CD that Apologetics has done and I win a copy on the contest page at WFIL.com. Speaking of prizes, our guest this hour, Jeff Allen, comedian, longtime comedian, and uh, author of the new book, Are We There Yet? My Journey from a Messed Up to Meaningful Life. He joins us next on the Tim DeMoss Show. You're listening to AM560, WFIL.com, and the WFIL app. Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. AM 560 WFIL. It's the Tim DeMoss Show. Glad to bring on board comedian, author, and uh, a man with lots to share in his book, Are We There Yet? My Journey from a Messed Up to Meaningful Life. Jeff Allen, how are you? I'm breathing, man, and uh, I'm on the proper side of the dirt the last time I checked. That's so, good. We're off to a good start. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. You know? Well, you know, in the book. It's a long way from when I, when I, uh, where I was when I wrote the book, because I used to wake up and go, darn, another day. Hmm. <laughs> well, you know, reading so. through, you really, you do pick up, that, and it's, but it's amazing yet, despite feeling that, the persistence yeah. in the things that feed into feeling that way right absolutely i um you know and i don't know where i would be if i didn't have a wife and uh children to uh, at least to look at every day and go i gotta i gotta figure this out i gotta do it for them yeah. you know and then there comes a point where you do it for yourself maybe but um the, initially it was always a I, I got to function. I can't function. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> yeah. you know, I look around and you see men, you know, taking care of their families and doing all the things and you think, boy, you know, they, they seem to do it. Why can't I? Yeah. And that was kind of the genesis of the, of the entire journey was um, just trying to figure out 
how to adult. So when the millennials say adulting is hard, I can relate because I didn't start until I was 30 something adulting. (laughs) And uh, I relate to the millennials. I really do. Well, and and in Are We There Yet? It's really a a tale of two Jeffs and I guess two two Tammies as well, your wife. And uh, it's it's laid out, you know, from start to finish. Uh, There's the comedy part, but it's also really uh, a serious book in a lot of ways. You mentioned that early on, aren't comedians supposed to make us laugh? And you're like, no, after the laughter faded away. On page six, you said you didn't feel better about your life. In fact, you felt worse. Is this all there is? Just a few laughs and then we die. Uh, share about your thoughts then, just on creating the book in the first place. What led you to really share this? Because obviously by nature, you you know, you spent thousands of hours and in, in, in many years doing, not writing a book, you're talking, you're doing comedy on stage. Right. right. Well, I got in, um, uh, let's see, I got, I got saved, uh, and, um, I was in Las Vegas when nine 11 hit, I was working the Tropicana and I was gone for seven days and I came home after that. I told my Jewish manager, I need to find another place to do my craft. Do you think churches would hire me? And he goes, you're asking me, what do I know? (laughs) You know, he didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. I was a new believer. Yeah. And uh, so we put it out that um, I would love to do comedy in your church. And while pastors are a little hesitant when your resume is nothing but casinos and nightclubs <laughs> to, to give you the pulpit for an hour. Yeah. Uh, but um, when I finally, I got hooked up with Gaither, Bill Gaither. Did you really? And, um, yeah, I did. I toured with him for on and off for about seven years. Matter of fact, they wrote a nice little blurb for me in the book. Uh, Gloria was very kind. Oh, great. And, um but the um, I was doing one of his events, uh, and I, I went up and did six minutes or eight minutes, whatever it was. And the next day, I was doing a breakout, and somebody came over to me from Bill's organization and said, "You know, we loved what you did last night, and you've been around long enough. You know, okay, that's the stroke. Here comes the slap." <laughs> you know? But you know, do you think at some point today you can mention that you love your wife? And I went, "They don't know that." And they go, well, you, you do hit her kind of hard, you know, for the church folks. And I went, oh, sure, that's not a problem. So anyway, I go up and I do my little 15, 20-minute set, and I'm leaving, and they're applauding. And I remember, oh, i got to go back and tell them I love my wife. <laughs> so I walk back, and I after the applause dies down, and I start talking about Tammy. What a wonderful, patient thing God gave me, and I wouldn't be where I'm at without, you know, the love of this. And I start crying, and I mean crying crocodile i don't know what you know anyway i get done and I'm, i'll walk off and tammy's standing over there she goes what the heck was that <laughs> <You> <laughs> and i said i don't know but i you know uh but when i started working churches um all i had was the story that's all i had and i had told it in aa for years so um in the end you know it was uh all i had to offer the church so the testimony has been out there for years and people have been asking did you write that down? Have you written that down? Have you written that down? And then finally Salem saw it and um, said, have you written that down? You know, and Tammy's been pushing me for 10 years to write it down. Uh, I just am not a writer. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah. I told Salem, of course I have it written down. Because when a publisher says to you, you have it written down, <laughs> you lie and you say, I have it written down. Yep, and then course. you start scribbling fast. Start scribbling really fast, and I hired an editor, and he was brilliant. He was really good. Otherwise, it would have been a 450-page tomb that nobody would want to read because <laughs> I had things to share and say. 
So anyway, I told him, you just point out what's good, what, what's not necessary, and help me put this arc and this thing together. And um, yeah. uh, so it was um, a, a team effort from Tammy and I. Um, the I, After the second draft, I said to her, you need to read this and be okay with it because it's pretty personal. Yeah. And um, you're mentioned quite a bit. So uh, anyway, she read the first two chapters, puts it down, and says, I can't read anymore. We were such horrible people. <laughs> and I go, that's, that's the beauty of the story, sweetheart. You know, Paul said, when you're in Christ, you're new. We're new creations. Yeah. We're not those people. And we're certainly separated from that. I, uh, you know, I was 30 to 38 uh, when all those things went down in the book. Uh, I'm 67 now, so I have a different perspective. On, on the way to look at who I was uh, back then, and um, I was—I'm probably a little kinder than I would have been ten years ago to that man, you know. Yeah. And um, it's still not pretty. But somebody asked me in an interview recently, "Why? Why would you share those embarrassing things?" And I said, "Because it's not enough to say I was angry. Everybody gets angry. So you say, well, I was an angry man. Oh, okay. Well, what does that look like? Well, let me show you what that looks like. Yeah. It wasn't pretty." wasn't pretty so when i find out my wife is having an affair and ready to get righteously angry at that god had something to share with me about the kind of man i was and the kind of husband i was and um that 24-hour period which i believe had she come home that day we wouldn't be married but um she didn't come home and gave me a day a night alone uh to to be reminded of what kind of man I was, you know, and yeah. she made me take the word affair out of the book. She hmm. said that an affair would give the reader a belief that there was something romantic. There was nothing romantic involved with this. I just wanted someone to be nice to me. And he was, and you weren't. And wow. uh, yeah. I did things I shouldn't have done. I shouldn't have done this, but she has um, beaten herself up constantly. You know, it's the, the enemy just never, the enemy never lets us forget our sins, ever. If you're just tuning in, we chat with Jeff Allen, comedian, also has written this book, Are We There Yet? My Journey from a Messed Up to Meaningful Life. It's our parent company, Salem's Book of the Month for September. We're giving it away all throughout the month. You can go to com to enter to win that. The first half of the book detailing the things you just shared about, the, the alcohol right. at 13, the uh, the drug use, the, the in and out of it, the battle to, as you say early on, the desire to find out where there is. Is there a place uh, at which I could someday arrive, but I couldn't find it, right? right? right. And all the things right. you went through trying to find that there, and no matter how dumb it was or how whether it came, happened to you or whether you were just bringing it on yourself, it's, right. I mean, if you don't know where to, where you're going... I mean, it didn't surprise me. Some of these stories are amazing. Uh, you know, uh, one of them actually interesting note, local note. The um, you you could have been a Philly, maybe a Philadelphia Philly. Oh my gosh, that goes way back to college. Yeah, the um, <laughs> not to rub it in. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, well, I I don't know. I I couldn't hit the curveball. I probably couldn't. We had we had a guy I caught that had what I would consider probably a major league curveball. And very, very difficult to hit. <laughs> very difficult, yeah. you know. And, um, and and again, at that level, um, yeah, I don't think I would have got there. But I certainly was good enough to play Class A or Double A ball. I, I, but 
Um, well, when you had those bright I never spots, gave myself the opportunity. I drank myself out of that. So. Yeah, and, and and there in all of the craziness, there are these bright spots like your love of baseball that managed to, de- to develop despite some of the challenges and things that were going on. And uh, and, and you mentioned that you know that that that's right when the Phillies are maybe considering like, give you another year to develop possibly, and let's look at right. it again. Um, right. Not to look back on that, but those are things that you were honest about in the book. Uh, including everything, including professionally, too, and what it's like to gather your courage to try to go on stage. I think it was, I laughed out loud when I read when you did your, your first open mic night and said you basically bombed terribly, but you went back anyway. And then the, the MC says, You're going to have to make some sense tonight. We're still trying to figure out what you said on Thursday. <laughs> yeah, we're still trying to put that together. <laughs> I, I didn't know. Again, it was funny. People go, How do you get into comedy? I go, You know, I don't know. I mean, it's like I saw a comedian when I was 16. My brother was a musician. So these comedians open for him. And I go, Gosh, I would love to do that. But where? How? It's not like they have a table at the career day in high school. Yeah. You know, the, the stand-up comedy table. Maybe they and should. now they have actually schooling. They have schooling now. I mean, you can go to a comedy club and they'll, they'll, uh, they'll have people that'll, that'll help you work your way through a set. I never, I didn't know you wrote things down. I didn't know you prepared things. I didn't know you repeated things. So my first handful of open mic nights, I just went up and tried to share about my day, something that happened at work that might be mildly amusing. <laughs> you know? And I, I just horrific. I mean, it, there were nights I'd look at the crowd, I'd run off, I wouldn't say a word. I mean, five <laughs> seconds in, I would just go, I got nothing to say, and I would leave. And then I saw a guy writing in a notebook, and I said, uh, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm writing my set out. Do you write this stuff down? He goes, yeah, you don't? I go, no. You know? yeah. And the first story I told that got a huge laugh. I had a VW Bug 67 that kept breaking down. I had to park it on a hill so that I can get it rolling downhill and pop the clutch because I couldn't afford to put a starter in it. <laughs> and um, Anyway, I was late one night. My car broke down. I had to run about a mile to get to the club and I'm dripping sweat. I come running in and I just hit the stage and I start spewing about this piece of garbage i said it's my third one because i couldn't believe how bad the first two were this is the worst car i've ever owned in my life you're lucky enough to get the heater work and it'll burn every hair right off your ankle i said the defrosting systems your breath and a rag and i mean i just was tearing this car to shreds and about two minutes into it i look out they're laughing holy cow they're actually laughing and i walked off the stage and i thought comedy is truth and it's angst if you can get both of those together in a story, people will relate because people understand, you know, they understand truth. It has to be some, some semblance of truth to it. And then you, yeah. you kind of, obviously, I'm, you know, it's not a blowtorch on the floor, but it's, it's a pretty hot heater if you get it working. Yeah. So anyway, that was kind of the, the, my first laugh that I got and uh, realized that, you know, I need to start writing some stuff, you know, and um, that was 30 40 years ago, I guess. Yeah. Wow. Jeff Allen, our guest today on the Tim DeMoss Show, comedian and author of the new book, Are We There Yet? My Journey from a Messed Up to Meaningful Life. It's our parent company, Salem's Book of the Month for September. You can enter to win that right on our contest page at WFIL.com. Brief break. We'll keep our conversation with Jeff Allen going next. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. 
AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the app, you're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in. Our guest today, comedian Jeff Allen, author of the book, Are We There Yet? My Journey from a Messed Up to Meaningful Life. It's Salem, our parent company's book of the month for September. You can enter to win a copy on the contest page at WFIL.com. Jump back to, to your wife, Tammy, for a minute, because you met her in a comedy club. You wrote in the book, and yeah. it was her smoker's yeah. laugh, that which I agree with you. You said, Absolutely. I don't care what people say about smoke, and they had the best laughs, <laughs>, laughs or whatever, right. and, uh, and how you met her, and it, it, you detailed throughout the book. But so much about how, uh, and you say this a lot, too, that even in when you had no idea what was going on, you believe God was really still at work in your life in all these different places yeah. long before you even really were thinking of him. Absolutely. I, there were markers. And the, the day after I, I said to Jesus, I'm yours, I remember waking up. I was in a, uh, in a an apartment at a comedy. They, they put you up in apartments at comedy clubs. And I had my two boys were in the other room uh, watching TV. And I wake up and I'm sitting on the end of the bed. And for the first time in my life, I go, like, God, I actually feel good. And, I, and it was such a strange feeling. I started thinking about what what is different. And then I went, oh, yeah, I gave my life to Jesus yesterday. I wonder if this is what it is. <laughs> and then there was this uh, vision that came, this visual that came into my mind's eye, and it was a valley. And there were all these markers in my life, and it was as if Jesus was saying, I was here, I was here, I was here, I was here. I was just waiting for you. And it was so clear and vivid to me that um, I, I just, I knew it was true. I just know whatever I did the day before by saying, yes, I'm yours, something changed in me. And what I realized was he gave me a new counselor. He gave me a new guide in the Holy Spirit. And that's been the struggle for 27 years. It just wars against my nature. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) My my nature is to self-destruct. And uh, there's this spirit in me that says, no, you can't do that. Why? Why? I'm tired. (laughs) Yeah. I'll throw my hands in the air and call it quits. I can't. You know, what does G.K. Chesterton say? You can, um, uh, Christianity, it's not that Christianity was tried and found wanting. It was tried, found too difficult, and abandoned, you know. Mm. And um, it's it's hard with it, with that conscience in you that's just, you know, just a gentle little reminder. No, you can't do that. What? You know, well, and interestingly I'm, enough, interesting enough, you talk about uh, your dad who I think you, you uh, say it in a funny way that he would say there is no God, and yet he would say, why is God against me? <laughs> right. Yeah. Wait a second, hold on. It's funny. He, he had a real hard time with the, with the end-of-life judgment and, uh, and uh, that, that there would be a being in the universe that would judge us at the end of our lives. And yet he sat in his lazy boy and he judged the entire world as it came through his cable television. <laughs> you know? I thought that I saw my mom. I said, Mom, this is, you gotta admit, this is ironic. I mean, here is this here is God, my father, sitting in the chair to, uh, just this guy's a jerk, this guy's an idiot, this guy's okay, this guy sucks, this guy you know. Yeah. And it just well just listening to him, talk to the T V all you know, all night, you know, and constantly judging the rest of us, you know. Well, it was, and it was hard. I mean, obviously, and and, and I, lo- I definitely want to hear your your share a little bit about the Ecclesiastes and, and the spin into how God really got a hold of you. Uh, but just, and uh, you know, you mentioned your dad, and that's obviously, people can um, skip past the importance of, 
of having a dad or a mom who are, are loving on them versus, you know, maybe talking down or making it hard or just mad at the world. And then you get caught up in all the shrapnel around you. Uh, it may not be directed right. at you, but um, speak about that a little bit and, and how, you, you know, what that how that's played out well, over the course keep, of your life. You keep hearing about privilege in our culture today. And uh, the real privilege is having two parents who sacrifice for their children. And you hear it repeatedly over and over again, you know, to my mom, my dad, you know, thank you for everything you did, you know, and my parents did, you know, again, they were not vicious people. They just were absent for the most part, you know, and, um, yeah. Uh, again, I was, I always felt like I was in the way, you know, so it wasn't a coincidence that I found a career that I don't have to be home. (laughs) I just, I just take off and ran. I, I ran the neighborhood, you know, and I remember telling my mom at some point, you know, I could have used a little guidance, you know, just (laughs) some, you know, she goes, well, you weren't in jail. We thought you were doing fine. You know, and again, it's so funny to me that you didn't complain. So everything was, you know, and it is, it's an interesting way to parent and um uh with with me uh, my father's influence was done early um he, he scared me to death um and he wasn't there wasn't a period there was a period probably has seven or eight years old where he, he never spanked us after that he would just take privileges away and the worst thing he could take from me was my ball glove you know yeah and um, so that was the biggest threat I had to keep me in line was, you're not going to play ball for a week. You know, what? You know, okay, what do I need to do? You know? Right. Uh, I, I always thought he was fair. When I, when I became a father, I said to him, what was your philosophy? Because you seemed fair to me uh, in your discipline. You know? But the interesting thing was, you know, I got into recovery because I spanked my six-month-old in the crib. And when Tammy sat under the end of bed and fed our son, I realized what I did and what I could have done. And I said, I need help. I'm going to get help. This is wrong. And when when my father asked me, what was the catalyst that got you sober? I said, I spanked my six month old. He goes, I used to do that to you guys all the time. And he said it so matter of factly. I go, what? Hmm. He said, yeah, I read in a book about Pavlov. He would stand over the crib and clap his hands and say, hush, clap his hands, say hush while we were crying. And then after a couple nights of doing that, he would grab us by the back of the leg and smack us in the thigh and say, hush, you know, mm. and the, fun, the funniest thing about it was when both my brother and I both had children, we would say to our children, hush, and they wouldn't hush. We would clam up and choke on our spot when my <laughs> father said, hush, right. hush. I don't care what age we were. It was just hush. We'd, <laughs> you know? Right. So we were we, we were brainwashed into into that reaction, you know, so, and my brother goes, every time I say hush to my daughter, she just keeps crying. <laughs> That's funny. Well, it's a powerful, it is a powerful story because you share that you're, you're, you wound up sharing that story about, um, you know, actually initially had intentions. How am I going to get my wife to leave me and had intentions to maybe, right. uh, you know, hit your wife. And then the, your son cried, go over to him. You wrote, you're writing the book. Right. I think that you, you know, you, you think felt like he took, took a hit that night for your wife instead of your wife. And, but yeah. later he came to you and he asked, is that you, is that me you're talking about when you shared right. it for the first time? And it's a beautiful thing. And he said, I forgive you, dad. That must have, I mean, right. unbelievable. That broke me. It was so interesting. I, I wondered how different life would be in so many homes if fathers and sons would just forgive each other. 
you know, if I had said to my father, I forgive you, he would have said, for what? You know, and uh, <laughs> right. I mean, honestly, he, he just, you know, it was, it was an interesting personality dynamic. Nothing was ever his fault. It was always uh, in response to other people. So I had to do what I had. You know, when, when they called my wife white trash and they called her a bunch of names one night and uh, I called him up. I was out of town and I said, why would you say those things? And he said, well, she was late for dinner. And I go, oh. Well, why don't you just empty your 45 in her? Just put eight slugs in her chest. And he says, well, that's a little overreaction. I go, so is calling her white trash for being late for a dinner. Hmm. You know, so yeah. I hope it was worth a daughter-in-law, because as far as I'm concerned, she doesn't have to talk to you the rest of her life. Me, I got, you know, you're my dad. You know, and I made a joke out of it when Tammy told me. I said, well, welcome to the family. He only talks to people he loves like that. So, and yeah. she goes, it's not funny. I go, okay. Tried to make it funny. You know, but, yeah. Right. And you she's know, a tough I, woman. I, I mean, from what you wrote, she's a tough woman, but the Lord got a hold of her. I mean, that I mean, it's a beautiful story. Absolutely. Really, yeah, really absolutely. is something. Um, folks yeah, tuning people in. People don't see the side of my wife that I see. Hmm. Uh, she she still has. You know, she was raised in a pretty pretty tough environment, and they took most of that out of the book um, because the story was more from my perspective than hers. But she shared um, a lot of stuff that um, I wasn't even aware of. You know, she, and her family dynamic, everybody kept secrets. So, no, she, you just didn't talk about what went on at home. You know, yeah. but um, she, the Lord has worked on her to the point. I mean, she is uh, just a, uh, her love language is giving uh, hospitality. She just loves taking care of people and, you know, Very which good. is good because that's not even close to my love language. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Allen, our guest today on the Tim DeMoss Show, comedian and author of the new book, Are We There Yet? My Journey from a Messed Up to Meaningful Life. It's Salem, our parent company's book of the month for September. You can enter to win a copy on the contest page at WFIL.com. Quick break. We'll keep our chat with Jeff Allen going next. The Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. It's the Tim DeMoss Show podcast, available at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening. AM560, WFIL.com, and on the app, you're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in. Our guest, comedian Jeff Allen, author of the new book, Are We There Yet? My Journey from a Messed Up to Meaningful Life. It's our parent company, Salem's Book of the Month for September, you can enter and win a copy on the contest page at WFIL.com. Before, I do want to definitely, you've shared smatterings here and there. Definitely want to hear a bit more of, of uh, you know, really God's amazing work in your lives and how things are currently. But before we leave uh, Chicago, where you grew up, I have family in Chicago of Northbrook. And my mom was born there. Oh. And because your dad, one of the fun tidbits in the book was he, what do you, I think you're, does it trowel the last step of the highest point of the Sears Tower? Uh, the high, that's it, on the Sears Tower, right? The last step. That's right. amazing. Well, a, not not to compare concrete work, but my cousins are the Ozinga family. Do you know, have you heard that name in Chicago? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? No. So they, they, they had yeah. the, like the contract for Comiskey, when, it, when the Comiskey came right. down. U.S. Cellular, is that what the White Sox call their park? Yeah, whatever it is, yeah. they built that park. So and among wow. other things, 
So, but I just, it just dawned on me now, like, wait, you're dead, and you did concrete yourself, right, for a while, looking at, I mean, one yeah, couple one summers? Summer. One, one summer. One summer, <laughs> yeah. And I, and I got uh, back, when I, mean, I dropped out of college, my dad goes, okay, you got to get a job, what are you going to do? And I go, well, I got a short list of things I'm not doing, and concrete <laughs> is the, the top of that. I'm not cut out for labor. I'm really not. I and I told my you. boys, I had two boys, I said, you can use your back, you can use your brain. Take your pick. <laughs> and I got one I got one to haul in HVAC, and I got the other one in, in uh, computer science. So uh, mm. one took his, took the mind, and the other one took the back. Interesting. You mentioned on page 52 the little old lady who said you've been complaining about <laughs> your wife this, your wife that. Maybe you're the problem. Uh, right. Yeah, these are, these are little angels of mercy that God sent in my path to uh, point things out. You know, and then um, when I met Phil on the road um, and he put the Bible in my hands. It was just one in a long list of, 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 of um, God's messengers. And that was the ultimate one. He's been a friend for 30 plus years now. Amen. Well, you know, in the blurb, if you will call it that in, in the opening part of the book, it's on our website as well. It, uh, it talks about, you know, born into a tough working class Chicago family. Alan fell into substance abuse at an early age his problems didn't magically go away when he got married. In fact, with the arrival of two children, they intensified. By the way, I had to be very – like when I wrote the blurb for us to talk about it on the air, I had to think about it because <laughs> I don't want it to sound like – it's almost like a joke. When he got married and had children, guess what? His problems didn't go away. They got worse. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Every now and then you run into these young couples. You know, our marriage sucks and we're thinking of having a baby. Oh, that'll help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's raise the stress factor about 600%. That should, that should really help you guys get bonded. You know? <laughs> but in his darkest moment, an unlikely encounter with the gloomiest book of the Bible set him on a path to salvation. The opening line of Ecclesiastes, meaningless, meaningless, all in life is meaningless, resounded with him. So we kept reading and soon discovered the source of meaning. Just take the floor and share a bit about that, if you would. Oh uh, Well, I mean, I had come to some conclusions after seven or eight years in recovery. And uh, all my reading, and I was at that point reading Ayn Rand, and uh, I had just come to the conclusion that uh, money must be the answer to all of my problems. I never really looked at it that way. And uh, anyway, I get this beautiful Christian man in my life for over a year, and I'm watching him live, and I'm thinking, that's actually attractive. The way he treats his wife, his kids, there's a calmness, boom, all this stuff. Anyway, he had given me these tapes uh, that they've been coming every two weeks for over a year. And uh, anyway, I finally opened one up and Ecclesiastes and I heard meaningless, meaningless. And I went, yes, yes, that is true. And I felt if, if that was, I, I don't know if there was any other verse in the Bible that would have hit me as, as that true as that was. Because I was a full-blown nihilist at this point. I just had no uh, point of reference to... to I had nowhere to go. I really didn't. And um, what, anyway, I what year would that have been, book. roughly? What, when that was? Uh, 1995 or six, okay. somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. And um, just um, uh, I soaked that book in, soaked it in. And uh, anyway, a couple months later, I was uh, visiting my friend in Texas, and we went to his house after church. And he said, "When I met you, God put it on my heart you were looking, and I found it." And I go, "Jesus." is not who he claimed to be, then Solomon was right in Ecclesiastes. I might as well kill myself because there's no point. There's no meaning and there's no purpose apart from God. None. 
And um, anyway, I said that my prayer was, look, if you if you are who you claim to be, then I'm yours and I'm in. And I wouldn't be in um, 27 years later if it wasn't true. Um, something something happened to me that day, you know, yeah. that um, was profound. How has that how has that affected you then? Uh, obviously, because you mentioned your comedy. Uh, and if you're just tuning in, we chat with Jeff Allen, author of Are We There Yet? My Journey from a Messed Up to Meaningful Life. It's our parent company's book of the month, Salem, for September. You can enter to win that on the contest page at WFIL.com. You mentioned early on all the different uh, challenges, the upbringing, some of the battles, alcohol or drugs or, or trying to make money, even just survive. And, uh, right. and and not knowing where the meaning of life is. And uh, the, I think at one point early on, you talked about guilt entering the picture. I think when you don't know what to do, now you feel even worse. And the anger right. part, because I think anybody who's like, I just want, <laughs> I just want things to be better. Uh, you talk about trying right. to run from conflict, all of that stuff. It's not going to say sol- right. solved, but it really solved in a very real way. But then, then how has that changed? Because you don't have to be a comic who's now is very, um, you know, happy, rosy. You can still <laughs> have these observations of right. life or whatever. So oh, with, with your no, work and your everyday no. life, how, how has be, becoming a believer changed, changed you and changed your day to day? Well, there's, a, there's a, again, Jesus says, to, uh, says in the, in the in, you know, don't worry about this life. I will send a counselor in the form of the Holy Spirit to you. So you have a new conscience within you, but the old conscience doesn't go away. It's just, it just wars with the new one. And um, I, I, things that came to me, I, I'll give you an example. I, I think I write about this in the book. The car breaks down. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and uh, that was the reason for me to get angry. I, I loved righteous anger because then I had permission to be angry. <laughs> Nobody looked at me. Right. And I said, the car breaks down. Everybody braces themselves. And I and I look at my son. I go, hey, I saw a gas station about a mile back. Why don't you walk with me? And Tammy goes, that's it? Because she was bracing for the storm. And I said, yeah, it just hit me. Mechanics pray, too. Hmm. You know, and, again, it's not a road to Damascus moment, but it resonated with her. And it resonated with me because as I was walking, that verse came to me. You know, so that's the new counselor. That's the new conscience that lives within me. Hmm. You know, my old nature was to, to explode and blow up. And the new nature says, no, you don't have to. I'm just telling you how this thing works. You know, there's somebody on their knees praying right now, man. I need, you know, I need a car. I need something to fix. I mean, I don't know. You know, again, it's not my universe. I don't get into the minutiae, but... It was enough for me, and it was also enough to remind me that Scripture is true. There is a new nature in me somewhere, and it and it does war with again with the old one. But at least I have a, a, a an idea of what that voice sounds like and looks like now. And if it's true, mm. and if it's for my benefit, chances are it's from Him. And if it's a lie, uh, and an attack on my character, you know, like, you know, I I still have it. You know, you're you're a loser. You're a, hypocrite you're you know all of that stuff still kind of bounces around in there you know and um at least on good days i can stop and go okay i'm a loser what is your source of information (laughs) (laughs) where who's telling me that you know it's uh, certainly not jesus that i know that for a fact it's not the holy spirit so wow that's all good stuff i I, i'm gonna very quickly if you don't mind i want to rattle off three quick thoughts one is i had a mentor at penn state and um, real good businessman, everyday guy, and he told the story about that of the nature of the of the battle inside. Of, there was a an Indian uh, chief who had become a believer, 
And he said it's like these do- the dogs like fighting back and forth inside now that he's a believer. And somebody said, to him, well, which dog wins? And he says, it depends which dog I feed. And I thought that was right. – I, ne- I never forgot oh. that, you know, yeah. in terms That's of just true. getting my mind in the right spot and taking time with God mm-hmm. to, to help, as Romans 12 talks right. about, transform our minds. Um, right. A second and like, a renewing of the mind. Absolutely, yeah. right. Uh, the second thing that comes to mind is my friend Dave, I asked him one time, he struggled a lot, and he said, I asked him one day how he was doing, and he says, I'm doing better than I'm feeling. And I never forgot that either, because it yeah. was an expression of him being having eyes of faith. Like, I know I'm, I'm doing better than how I feel about myself or anything going right. on. So I love that. Right. Um, and the third thing came to mind when I was reading the book when your dad, I guess, talked about kind of like, why is God against me? And I think you said your mom had the sense of humor, like, look, God, God gave us another red light. <laughs> there he goes again. Right. Look, Jack, God turned another light red. Yeah, because well, everything was an affront from God to him. It inconvenienced him. It even, was, this is, even though he didn't exist. I get it, right. <laughs> right, exactly. And if he never saw the irony of that. And then as if God had nothing better to do than just annoy, you know, yeah. Jack. <laughs> That's very funny. Well, the verse that, uh, and this is the last thing I just want to share with you. When I, I thought about it, I wanted yeah. to say this to Jeff. I, I read a verse, uh, Psalm eighty four eleven, a few years ago, and it's one the one that comes right after is better as one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And it says, "Our God is the sun and shield. Uh, no, He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does He hold back from those whose walk is blameless." And that right. second half of that verse, I, it wasn't about me being blameless, like, I'm so great, so God's going to bless me. Right. It was more about God's character and tracing it right. back to God's not in the business of holding back good things from me. And yet, you can right. think that being a believer is is about, all right, I want to kind of you know pull up my bootstraps, I want to work at this, I'm going to give up stuff now, and I'll be glad in heaven. It's like, no, God, that means God's holding back no. on you now. He's not. Right, no, so, not at all. Yeah. From a God's character standpoint. So anyhow, that, that's all good stuff. And Jeff, the best way for folks to keep up with you in general, whether it's the book or whether it's touring and all that? Jeff Allen, JeffAllenComedy.com, and they can get all of the social media hookups. You know, And uh, we're pretty active on Facebook and uh, Instagram. Okay. I don't do a lot on Twitter, but I do mostly Facebook and Instagram. Okay. And, uh, or Z, and now it's called X, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. anyway, um, the, again, JeffAllenComedy.com, and everything will be there. And and if they uh, purchase the book off Amazon, it'd be nice if they left a review. And, a, and if you like the book, leave a review. If you didn't, uh, just keep it to yourself. Nobody <laughs> likes a whiner, you know, so don't whine. That's right. You know? That's right. By the way, they called me, uh, mm-hmm. they, someone called from the airport today because you have a baggage claim story that's hilarious in your book. Oh. <laughs> Someone called today from the Philly airport and said there's a guy who fainted by the uh, baggage claim. And then they called back and said, don't worry, he's slowly coming around. But then, That's a good one to leave on. <laughs> yeah. How can, how can people pray for you, Jeff? Anything in particular? Uh, just, uh, yeah, just to keep everything in perspective, you know, that's all. And, um yeah, just help me keep my focus on him. It's it's a, it's it's kind of a dichotomy or a paradox that you you have to promote yourself, but it's I, I'm more comfortable promoting him and what he's done. So just that, and and just let me ride it out, and you know, 
see where it goes. That's good. Jeff, thank you for your time. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you. Very easy to thank chat you with too, you. Thank you, I really appreciate it, man. Yeah. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. Bless you too, man. Take Thanks. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Comedian Jeff Allen on the Tim DeMoss Show. Are we there yet? My journey from a messed up to meaningful life. Book he has written. It's our parent company, Salem's Book of the Month for September. You can enter to win a copy of that in the contest page at WFIL.com. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.